Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metza. Tonight, we are going to be celebrating the life, legacy, and work of one of Minnesota's greatest and most beloved politicians, Walter Fritz Mondale, who passed away April 19th, 2021, preceding death by his daughter, Eleanor, and wife, Joan. He served as Minnesota's Attorney General starting in 1960 and then was also the U.S. Senator from Minnesota from 1964 to 1976. He was Jimmy Carter's pick for Vice President and when uh, President Carter won, Walter Mondale served from 1978 to 1981. He was the Democratic Party's nominee for President in 1984, and he chose as his running mate Geraldine Ferraro, America's first female vice presidential candidate in any major party. They lost in a landslide to Ronald Reagan, carrying only Minnesota and the District of Columbia. When he campaigned for president in 1984, he campaigned for a nuclear freeze, the Equal Rights Amendment, increase in taxes, and the reduction of the U.S. debt. Fritz Mondial was born in Ceylon, Minnesota in 1928. He attended McAllister College and graduated from the University of Minnesota. He served in the U.S. Army in the Korean War. He married his wife, Joan, in 1955. He got his law degree in 1956. He served as Minnesota's Attorney General from 1960 to 64 and was appointed to the U.S. Senate in 1964 by Minnesota Governor Carl Rolvog. Following Senator Hubert Humphrey's selection as Lyndon Baines Johnson VP in 1964, he was named Minnesota's Senator. President Bill Clinton appointed Walter Mondale U.S. Ambassador to Japan, where he served from 1993 to 96. In 2002, he became a last-minute choice to run for the Minnesota DFL Senate seat after the tragic plane crash of the beloved Senator Paul Wellstone. He lost to St. Paul Mayor Norm Coleman. He remained active in Democratic politics until the end and took a part-time teaching position at the University of Minnesota Hubert H. Humphrey School of Public Affairs. We are delighted to have tonight our first guest, a man who's worked very closely with Walter Mondale and has some great stories and also did some great work himself on behalf of the people of Minnesota. Rick Nolan was the U.S. Rep from Minnesota's 8th Congressional District from 2013 to 2019. He previously served as U.S. Rep from the 6th District from 1975 to 1981. And on a personal note, my nephew Jordan Metz have worked with Rick out in D.C. as his press secretary for his last run uh, out in the capital city. Rick, Thanks so much for uh, taking time with us tonight. Talk about your love and respect for Walter Fritz Mondale. Well, I, I tell you, um, uh, I, I never had a better friend in government and politics and in life than, uh, than Walter Mondale. I had the good fortune in my youth of working as a personal assistant to him in his um, the very first uh, Senate campaign. So I traveled up and down and all across the state uh, with him. Uh, and, you know, it was interesting. I, I, I quite frankly think I had the best job in the whole staff because I was always uh, with the senator. 
And, you know, more often than not, I was, you know, getting this suitcase and getting this coat and, uh, um, you know, getting them in out of the car and onto the next event. But, you know, it was back in uh, the late 60s. And so uh, I was also, you know, taking them over to the White House, you know, for signing of the meat inspection bill or taking them up to the Justice Department and uh, sitting, uh, you know, again, in the same room in the White House or the Justice Department um, with the leaders of that time trying to figure out what to do about the riots that were taking place in D.C. and and around the country. And just, you know, having the opportunity to get to know him and to get to know his family, he was just such an honorable and decent and uh, honest person. and good public servant. And, you know, I tell you, one of the things that that he he liked to do and made a point to do it was to, you know, train the next generation. And it wasn't just me that, you know, he went out of his way. Um, you know, serving in the Congress, you know, he had traveled all over the country uh, helping a promise, what he thought to be promising uh, young public servants. And he inspired a lot of people to go into a pu- public service. And he was just as good and, and perfect a role model as you'd ever want to meet and ever want to know. And then he was always there to lend a helping hand, you know, to do a fundraiser or do some door knocking or make some calls or set up an event. Uh, not just for me, but for, uh, you know, just legions. I mean, you can you can go talk. I don't care, Amy Klobuchar or Tina Smith or Mark Dayton or members in the state house and the county boards and the state legislature, uh, not just in Minnesota, but around the country. And uh, they all, uh, Walter Mondale played uh, an important uh, uh, role in inspiring them to seek public office and helping them to win public office. And he was always there. You know, he didn't tell you what to do, but if you needed some advice, he was always there for you. Just a great human being. Rick, that must have been pretty heady times for the young Rick Nolan to be out in D.C., be able to walk the quarters of the White House with uh, with Senator Mondale. Did you have a, a – I imagine you probably had a chance to uh, take part in meetings with uh, the great Hubert Humphrey, vice president at the time. Well, I did. Um, you know, I represented both the 6th and the 8th. I, I, I'm – I've always lived in the the bottom of the Iron Range, uh, you know, north, the Brainerd area and north of Brainerd and Crosby. Um, so, but you know, the the district lines change from time to time. Back in the day, that was in the where we lived. Today was in the sixth uh, district, and of course, uh, in recent years, it's been in the eighth district. And uh, but um, you know, they they were un, unusual times. And uh, but <laughs> I got to tell you on a lighter note. Walter Mondale, Walter Mondale also had a wonderful sense of humor. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, um, people were getting sick all the time, you know, and they used to call it the 24-hour flu. Well, in many cases, it was just rotten beef or rotten poultry or, or pork or what have you, because we didn't have any good meat inspection all across the country. Right. And Walter, Walter, Walter Mondale was the one who established uh, the... Um, public meat inspection across the country. Huh. And, yeah, and he, that was his legislation. So they were signing the bill at the uh, at the, at the White House, and uh, my job was, you know, whether it was drive them to the airport or, or pick them up at the airport or drive them to the White House. So 
you know, uh, Mike Berman, the chief of staff, said, Nolan, you got to run the senator up to the White House. So I've never been to the White House. Wow. So we're getting close to the White House, and I says, <laughs> it was the only time he ever ever uh, had the slightest harsh word with me. I said, um, you know, Senator, what, what, what entrance do I go into? He said, I, I don't know. I haven't been here either before. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I just drove right up to the front entrance, and we were a little bit late. <laughs> so we're, we were in the, uh, 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 the east wing of the White House, and we we walk and we we walk in there and the place is packed, and uh, you know there's um, Lyndon on a slightly uh, elevated uh, platform, way on the other side of the room, and Mondale being the chief sponsor, and everybody the <laughs> other supporters of the legislation were all crowded around uh, President Johnson, including uh, Hubert Humphrey was there, and uh, so. Uh, <laughs> And he gives me a little little nudge in the shoulder. He said, "Watch this," and he just he just went slithering through the crowd uh, in in no time at all. And just moments before the signing, there he was standing right alongside the president <laughs> uh, for the signing signing of the bill. So it was all over. And uh, we come back, and he, you know, I'm I'm there to give him a ride back. He looks at me, and he had a wry smile on his face. He said, "How'd you like that?" That grease pig act, Nolan. <laughs> pretty, pretty impressive, Senator. Pretty impressive. That's, uh, uh, but that's where he was supposed to be, and that's where he wanted to be. I mean, he was the chief architect, and uh, uh, it was a pretty, pretty big deal. So we, we had some fun times together, too. I, I uh, had the pleasure of getting to know his daughter, Eleanor, uh, back in the day. And she was just not only just absolutely gorgeous, but just as personable as as it comes, and she was a big fan of the music scene and the arts scene in Minneapolis. Like her mother was a huge arts advocate, and I got to know Tettle a bit over the years. I only bumped into Walter Mondale twice, and both times I was walking around Lake of the Isles in South Minneapolis, and he was walking with a friend or two. And I thought, what a great country we live in. You can go for a walk around the lake and bump into a former vice president of the United States. I said, well, it's, that's our democracy for you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just a wonderful country. And speaking of Eleanor, um, uh, who died of, of cancer, and um, I don't know if you know it, but my, my daughter, youngest daughter, died of, of cancer here oh. last September. And so... My condolences. Um, yeah, thank you. And, uh, of course, Walter Mondale knew what that was like, having gone through that with Eleanor and... Uh, he called on me a number of times just to see, you know, uh, how Catherine was doing, to see how I was doing. So, you know, our relationship went beyond the, you know, just the political. I mean, it was a personal. Um, my, my wife was in a car accident. You know, he and, and Joan were among the first to go and visit her and, wow. and wish her well and see how she was doing. He's just a wonderful human being. When was the last time you had a chance to speak with uh, Vice President Mondale? I think it was just before Catherine's death last September. Wow. Yeah. He called to see how everybody was doing and, and uh, express his, his concern and sympathy. Can you uh, talk a little bit, and uh, like I said once again, Rick, my condolences. And uh, Yeah, thank you. But tell us about the interactions when you were a young staffer between Hubert Humphrey and Walter Mondale. You must have seen a little bit of that. 
Well, you know, I, I, I did, and um, they were very, very similar in many ways. They just had big hearts. They had a wonderful sense of humor. Um, they were both exceptionally bright, and uh, had a lot of integrity, and they were both deeply committed. Um, unfortunately, um, in, in both of their cases... Um, I, I don't think TV treated either one of them very, fa- very favorably. And I, I don't mean, I don't mean the, uh, the, uh, the TV, uh, anchormen and women. I mean, just the TV itself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mondale's brilliance and, and Humphrey's brilliance and, and wonderful sense of humor, uh, just didn't seem to project or, or come through uh, real well. And then, of course, Mondale, like Nixon, and like myself, you know, I had heavy black beards. And uh, uh, so one of, one of my jobs was to carry the goop, because Mondale could step out of the out of the you know bathroom after a clean shave and go on the camera, and it looked like he'd been, you know, uh, fishing up here in northern Minnesota <laughs> for a week and hadn't shaved. So whenever the TV people came, was they, Nolan, where's the goop? Where's the goop? <laughs> Just the makeup, you know. Oh, that's well. This is we love the we love these personal stories. Now, did uh, one of the one of the differences? One of the differences, though. You know, we used to our staple was bean feeds in the DFL. We had more bean feeds, and uh, you know what came after Humphrey um, on a Saturday night bean feed, don't you? No, Sunday morning. <laughs> Hubert liked to Not, talk. Mondale, Mondale understood brevity a little better than Hubert, but yeah, you know, Hubert was he was so he was so entertaining. Everybody sat and and uh, with rapt attention and wanted to hear everything he had to say. And boy, he he could unload on them. Well, I've been at uh, several DFL bean feeds up at the Miners Memorial in Virginia, Minnesota, where you've been, and I remember yeah. I've got a great picture of uh, my nephew Jason, who is the rep from. Uh, up there at the time, my father and Jim Oberstar and my nephew Jordan. And after we took the picture, my dad was in politics. You, you knew my dad, Elder. He was a I sure did. city yeah. council and uh, school yeah. board, two terms as mayor. But he said, he goes, geez, he goes, I, I think a lot of these people are just here for the beans and the brats. <laughs> but those were all. No, in. they weren't. They, they were there in spite of the beans and the brats. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, you know, the, the one guy I would have loved to talk to about Walter Mondale was our good friend Tommy Rukavina. Oh, wasn't he a, a, a prince? Just, uh, gosh, he was. We miss him so much. He was so, so, such a passionate advocate for our, our iron range and uh, uh, and just a lovely beautiful person uh, and, and I, that, that, that's a big hole in our life up here now Rick uh, you you know we've been so proud all of us over the years uh, myself since I was a kid of the proud progressive ideals of the Minnesota DFL and uh you look at what's happening now in the 8th District uh, with Pete Stauber and the rest, and there's such kind of a turn to the right up there. What do you think uh, – would, would you ever consider running again? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I would. I, I told people, you know, I there was a 32-year hiatus between the time I left the Congress the first time and came back again. It's the longest in history. 
so when I've been asked that question, I've, I've said, sure, I'd be glad to run again in it, but it has to be in 32 years. <laughs> <laughs> Which will then also be historic. Yeah, wouldn't that be? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I won't be here 32 years. Well, so that's a safe bet. Rick, uh, I know you've been uh, you've been planting trees today. How are you enjoying your retirement? You must miss a little bit of the fight, though, on the action, though, don't you? Oh, I do, I do. Although, you know, this is not um, by no means 100 percent true. But um, when asked that question, I I tell people. you know, I'm still engaged. I'm up at five or six o'clock in the morning and and uh, read for two or three hours and with one eye and kind of watch the presentation of the morning news with the other. And uh, more like most people, from time to time, I'm excited about what's happening, and other times I, I I get upset about what's happening, and I speak my mind. And I have about as many people listening to me now as I did then. Um, which, which is my wife (laughs) and, and, and I get about the same results. The the only difference is now I, you know, every day is a weekend. And uh, so I've I've been planting my my wife and I planted, uh, Oh, 130, 140,000 trees in our lifetime. We did yesterday. That's what we're doing today. And, uh, and then we're going to run out and we're going to catch some crappies. The spring crappies are, um, I think about ready to come in uh, just before the spawn, uh, but I still, you know, engaged. I'm on a number of boards and a number of campaign. Uh, not, I do get involved in campaigns too, but a lot of community stuff. You know, Republicans when they leave the, the Congress, they they uh, they get to serve on boards where they make you know hundreds of thousands, right. in cases millions of dollars. And us Democrats, we get to go on boards that cost us money. (laughs) (laughs) Well, God bless you. We've uh, we've had such an enjoyable conversation with Rick Nolan, most recently the U.S. rep from Minnesota's 8th Congressional District. Rick, if you can leave us with – if you called one bit of advice from all those years, not only working with uh, Walter Mondale, uh, being a friend of Walter Mondale – uh, both the times you worked with him and after knowing him for, you know, you spoke with him as, as recently as last fall. What do you think uh, Walter Mondi would like to, to say today uh, to to the rest of us Americans? Well, I, I, would, I, I would believe he'd, he'd, he'd want to say that we, we all need to be more um, introspective and, and civil and and collaborative um those are kind of the bare essentials of democracy and i know uh, for a fact he was bothered by how deeply personal and partisan that had all uh, become in in recent years and that just goes to the 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 basics and the and the fundamentals not only civility but uh, the fundamentals of our democracy and uh, this is a great nation. We've enjoyed more freedom, more liberty, more prosperity, more opportunity, probably than any people anywhere in the history of the world. And uh, that's not to say that uh, some people haven't been left out, and 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 wrongfully so. And uh, there's need for more inclusion. But there's also a need for more civility. Um, if I could uh, brag on Mondale and myself for a minute. 
um, you know, Mondale was quite an accomplished legislator, as was Hubert Humphrey, but they always had a Republican partner. Mm-hmm. And during my last my last term of service, I was, uh, according to studies, at, uh, and I learned that from Humphrey and Mondale, um, uh, the uh, University of Virginia and uh, Vanderbilt did a study. They just looked at bills and amendments that had been introduced and and uh, became law of the land. And I, I came out like the second most effective Democrat hmm. uh, during my term of service of all the Democrats. And I was in the minority, but I always had a Republican partner. Um, and, you know, the, the, the key to civility and progress and success is, is to understand there we all have some deep-seated uh, values and, and, and philosophies and views that you don't want necessarily want to compromise on. Um, and, um, that, that's understandable, but if you feel that strongly about something, you know, that don't feel bad about it, but don't let that wreck your, your uh, term of service. Um, because, you know, you and I and anybody we know can sit down and find some things we disagree on. Well, fine. Uh, we can also find some things we agree on. <laughs> and let's, let's go to work on that. Let, let's fix that, you know. Let, let's get a, let's get a, a 523% uh, tariff on, uh, on steel that's being dumped in this country by China and, and get the mines back open and get, to get the miners back at work. Um, and, uh, uh, why? Well, because, you know, the Republicans and Democrats can agree on that. Um, right. So, um, so find the things you can agree on and then, and then work on them and get something done instead of walking into the room, finding out, you know, what you can uh, disagree on. My last, so the other thing, of course, that we'd like to, we need to get the money out of politics. My last election contest was $25 million. Wow. You know, that, 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 that was the most in the country. And now it looks like uh, chicken feed uh, compared to what some of those races went for the last uh, couple of days. So, um, we need to make all these, we need to stop the gerrymandering, get all these districts, um, competitive and uh, and find a way to take the all the money it's a corruptive influence and uh, Mondale understood that Humphrey understood that and, uh, and and get back to civility that's what he would want that's what Humphrey would want and I think that's what most of the American people want you know and, Rick uh, Nolan uh, this is I've really enjoyed uh, speaking with you here for a bit on the wall of power radio I remember what my dad used to say he said elder Metza was my father and he said the best thing that ever happened to Democrats were Republicans and the best thing that ever happened to Republicans were Democrats. Oh, well said. Well said. <laughs> Rick, well, and if you don't mind, the the Metzup family is a great family, and oh, thank Jason you. served so well in the legislature. And Jordan did a fabulous job for me, and we're proud of the work that you do in the community and and uh, and, and the rest of the Metzup clan, including your mother and your father. And, I know you've all experienced tragedy in life as well and great losses, but it's never kept you from dusting yourself off and and pushing forward to find a way to make something better for somebody every day. God bless you. Rick Nolan, God bless you. And uh, I look forward to seeing you this summer, maybe up on the lake. Now get out there, grab your wife and go catch some crappies. We're gonna. It's one of my favorite things to do every year. Get back on the water. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> okay. Have a great night, Rick. Thanks so much. Bye bye. You bet. Bye bye. We will be back after these messages.
Welcome back to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metzer. We are saluting and celebrating the life and legacy of the great Walter Fritz Mondial tonight. And we've got a fellow by the name of Jay Lippman, who's speaking to us from his home in Duluth, who has a great personal connection with Vice President Mondial. Jay, tell us about how your family got to know uh, Walter and, and Mondial's family. Well, Mr. Mondale was a good friend and law school classmate of an attorney from Duluth named Harry Munger. And Harry was an attorney who was very active in the DFL party and, of course, uh, retained a long-lasting friendship with Mr. Mondale. And Harry asked my father, Jack Littman, who was also a Duluth attorney, um, before he became a district court judge, if the Munger family and the Mondale family could all come up to our remote fly-in cabin in Canada for a summer of uh, family fishing vacation. So two months later, we had 22 adults, adolescents, and children up at our cabin having a wonderful time together. This summer vacation tradition continued until 1977. Then in 1977... Walter Mondale became vice president under President Jimmy Carter. The Mondales, the Mungers, all came back up to our cabin when Mr. Mondale was vice president. Wow. The only difference was Mr. Mondale was now required to fly in a twin-engine aircraft versus single-engine float plane, and he was required to fish out of a larger-sized boat. (laughs) And he also brought along an entourage of Secret Service and Royal Canadian Mounted Police personnel for his protection. Um, The summer also happened to be the wedding of Harry Munger's son, Mark. So Mark and his wife, Renee, spent their honeymoon in a tent with all of us up at the lake. That's that uh, vacation time. Then in 1990, our family was invited to spend the Christmas and New Year's as guests of the Mondales out in Washington, D.C., We stayed with the Mondales and the vice president's residence at one observation hill on the grounds of the Naval Observatory. Wow. This beautiful home was built in 1893, and it used to be the chief of the observatory's residence. Walter Mondale was the first vice president to ever use this as his residence. No vice president before him had used the home. Our family had an amazing time seeing the sights of Washington with the Mondales. We toured the Senate chamber, the Supreme Court, had lunch with Chief Justice Warren Burger, breakfast at the White House, and saw the Air and Space Museum with a tour conducted by Michael Collins, a former Apollo 11 astronaut. Who I think just passed away this week. He just passed away, that's right. Mm. And I was 28 at the time, and I remember how amazing history seemed to become all of a sudden to me during that trip. Wow. There was a movie theater at the vice president's house where we could first watch first-run movies that were playing in the local theaters. In 1992, my father, Judge Jack Littman, passed away, and that brought us that end to our family get-togethers up at the lake during the summer. Ten years later, in 2002, my brother Ross Lippman was campaigning on the Iron Range of Minnesota as he was running for sheriff of St. Louis County at the time. 
Ross ran into Mr. Mondale up on the Iron Range that day. Mr. Mondale happened to be campaigning for the U.S. Senate seat, recently vacated by the late Senator Paul Wellstone. Ross and Mr. Mondale rekindled our camp family our family relationship, and from that time on, Mr. Mondale has been coming back up to our family cabin fishing every June. Wow! The same group of guys come fishing every year since nineteen since two thousand two. Our last year was in twenty nineteen the spring before COVID closed the Canadian borders. Hmm. Among the regular fishermen on the annual trip were Mr. Mondale and his lifelong good friend since high school, George Millard of St. Paul, my brother Ross Littman and myself, Sammy Perella of the Sammy's Pizza here in Duluth, and his son Tony, Dr. Robert Donnelly, Harry Munger until he passed away, and Harry's son, Judge Mark Munger. How do I get a squeeze in an invitation of that next year's trip when uh, when Canada opens up? I got to go. I, I might be able to arrange it. <laughs> I know I know a guy. <laughs> you know this is so fascinating. I can ask you: Did uh, was Walter a good fisherman? Well, let's just say he loved to fish. Okay, there you. That's all that matters, right? What uh-huh. do you think, uh, Jay Lipman? What do you think uh, from not only having such a Wonderful uh, personal relationship uh, with uh, with the Mondales, but also as a uh, as a guy that's observed uh, uh, Duluth and Iron Range politics, Minnesota politics, United States politics. What do you think uh, Walter Mondale's uh, greatest contribution uh, to the rest of us has been? I think his greatest contribution is a combination of just being a a, a good law abiding politician, but his fighting for justice and equality for everybody since the time he was a um, attorney general in Minnesota back in the '60s for Hubert Humphrey. Um, he's just been an advocate for everybody and equal justice for all. And I think he did a wonderful job to see that through. Jay Lippman, this has been uh, really fun to hear these stories. You were, uh, you really witnessed history at a certain point and to be right in the lion's den at the vice president's house and a tour of those with, uh, with uh, vice president Mondale and the rest. Uh, what an incredible experience you enjoyed. Absolutely correct. I feel an honor to have known the man, his wife Joan, his his children Eleanor, Ted, and and William. Just all fine people who are great friends of ours. Jay, thank you so much uh, for your time. I'm tracking you down when I get up to Duluth, and I'm going to uh, wiggle my way into one of those fishing invites. That sounds just incredible. So, one of the years when. Fritz was vice president. We were fishing up at the lake. Whenever my dad took Fritz and Harry Munger, they were the two that usually went in that boat, out fishing, there was always two boats that went along with them carrying Secret Service men. And, you know, those boats stayed off about 50 yards and just to protect from whatever could happen. 
And one day, a canoe was coming from Portage at one end of our lake to go out the outlet at the other end. And I was out fishing at the time also on a boat. And of four boats, the only boat the canoe was interested in going to was the boat that Prince Mondale was in. And as he headed in that direction, the Secret Service with their weapons drawn, quickly went upon that boat and just said, <laughs> you know, you, you can't go this way. Keep keep on moving. And I imagine the poor canoeist had been in the woods for days and just wanted to talk <laughs> to somebody and maybe bum a fish off them for dinner. Right. <laughs> yeah, we had some wonderful times. Well, you don't run in that type of stuff uh, on the lake usually. Jay, thanks so much for these stories, and I will look forward to uh, seeing you when I get up to Duluth. That sounds great, Paul. Thanks. Do that. Have a, good, have a good weekend. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. We will be back after these messages. Welcome back to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metzer. We just finished talking to a fellow up in Duluth who had gone fishing with Walter Mondale, and now we're going to talk to a guy that knows a little bit about lakes and rivers and knows quite a bit about Walter Mondale's work on environmental causes. We have Jeff Forster, a good friend of mine who also happens to be the director of Minnesota Lakes and Rivers Advocates. And uh, Jeff, what can you tell us about uh, Mondale's legacy and uh, any chance you had to work with him on, on your issues? Well, I, I did get a chance to meet him uh, through the Humphrey Public Policy Fellows uh, and kind of worked you know, indirectly with him. I mean, the thing about Mondale is the water value that he, the values that he had around water are just so Minnesotan, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, it's just the way he was uh, rigged, kind of. And he had all those, you know, he, he used to make the point that water is a strategic economic uh benefit you know that and then you look at minnesota and almost every single town in the state is on a lake or a river right minneapolis is where it is because of the falls of st anthony you know and that's how minnesota is i mean we are organized around our lakes and rivers uh it's a key critical resource and you know i mean i think one of his first efforts was protecting the st croix with gaylord nelson from wisconsin um and the Wild and Scenic Rivers Acts, that was like back in... 65, yeah. Yeah. Kind of yeah. ahead of the curve, as as, right. was, uh, as was Senator Gaylord Nelson from Wisconsin. Yeah, and they just kind of kept it up as a steady, dump, uh, steady drumbeat. You know, and with the Boundary Waters, I think a lot of that flexibility that allowed the Boundary Waters to be protected, I mean, first off, he was a Minnesotan and he had been up there. And so he understood why that was a special place. And then, but there were a lot of people up there. There were seaplane bases. There was a, you know, there was a whiskey distillery, Paul, <laughs> up by American point. Right. Why you they know, got rid of that. I'll never know. Yeah. I mean, there was all kinds of infrastructure up there left over from the logging days. It wasn't sure. really a wilderness, you know, per se, and because of the way he was, um, you know, you know the the way he was sort of uh, his 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 temperament, he was willing to listen to people and 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 make that wilderness happen by offering, 
well, okay, you can live there until you die, or we can allow this use for a period of time. Um, you know, there was a family from the Ely area that had the right to use uh, Four Mile Portage until just a few years ago. Mm-hmm. They didn't exercise the right, but they, he was able to come in and, as a Minnesotan, say, okay, this place is special and it should be set aside as a wilderness, but it's also important to the people who live up here. Can we make some concessions and ease ourselves into this and get it to happen? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so yeah, he was, uh, he was a water guy. You know, sure. a, another way of be putting that would be Minnesota nice. Kind of, uh, and, and nice, not as a weakness, but as a practical necessity. Yeah. Right. Now I believe, uh, Somewhere, I don't know if it was there on their honeymoon, but I think Walter and Joan Mondale went on one of their first dates. I don't know if there was a very first one. They went canoeing on the St. Croix, and that would have been back in the day. So Walter had a uh, a feel for the enjoyment that one could get out of a river and a lake uh, from an early age. Right, and a, and a wild and scenic river. I mean, right. we have... Almost every time I fly, you know, you talk to people on the plane next to you, and oh, they they went to the Mall of America, you know, right. And I always say to them, you know, the largest wildlife refuge in the Upper Midwest is just across the street, mm-hmm. and they don't see it. But Minnesotans have all been there, right? And we know about the caves and the rivers, and and that was Mondale that was able to get that put together, and it's it's right pretty much in the middle of the city. You know, Bloomington and Minneapolis and kind of St. Paul, and it's just an amazing resource uh, that I use all the time. And, you know, we were just out by Long Lake this morning. I went out there with my daughter, and, and there's remnant big woods out there. Nice. Um, old maples and so forth. Uh, old growth forest. And uh, it's just flush with wildflowers right now. You know, all those ephemerals come out before sure. the leaves on the trees open up. And that was another thing that he worked on, was getting those kinds of areas of special uh, ecological integrity sort of set aside. And, uh, you know, that kind of legacy is going to live for hundreds of years. Um, and he was kind of the perfect guy because it was a reflection, you know, of our state and our sensibility. Minnesotans love our water resources and we love being outside and with water, if you don't protect it, you can lose it. Right. You know? Um, so he was kind of the perfect guy and had sort of the perfect, uh, combination of intelligence, which he had in buckets, uh, that really, uh, sort of statesman like humility and, uh, the Minnesota values that he was in that place at that time to be able to accomplish what he was able to accomplish. Jeff Forster, right now I feel the ghost of Walter Mondale going, Paul, ask Jeff the website uh, for your group, Lakes and Rivers Advocates, and how people can contribute financially or with just physical effort, Jeff. How can we help? Oh, uh, yeah, just go to www.mn.com lakesandrivers.org 
So MN for Minnesota Lakes and Rivers dot org, and there's a sign up, and you can start getting our emails and start to engage and learn what the issues that we're working on are, and write your legislators and and make a contribution to the site. Jeff Forster, thank you so much. This was a great insight to that part of uh, Vice President Mondale that a lot of people might not have known. And uh, I, I got to tell you, brother, we uh, we both are fortunate enough to have a place to hang our hat on the what I consider one of the greatest freshwater lakes in the world. That would be Lake Vermilion, and you got to you and I got to spend some quality time doing some sauna, some fishing, and just hanging out, having fun. I would totally love that. Because <laughs> you know that we, would be great. You know, we got that new lamp of stove there on Wakema Bay. So come and help me break it in. Kuma, Kuma <laughs> is hot. Kuma, lamp of Kuma. So thank you very yeah. much, Jeff Forrester. Uh, say hi to your lovely daughters and your lovely wife. And uh, thanks for your insight on the environmental work of the great uh, vice, late great Vice President Walter Mondale. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, thanks, Paul. Have a great day. Thanks, you too. Bye bye. Water is wide I can cross over And neither have I wings to fly Build me a boat That can carry to and both shall roll My love and I There is a ship And she sails the sea She's loaded deep As deep can be Not so deep as the love I'm in. I know not how I sink or swim. Oh, love is handsome and love is fine. Sweetest flower When first it's you Thanks for listening to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. The show was produced by Paul Metza and engineered by Patrick Lilia. We'd like to thank our guests, Rick Nolan, Jeff Forster, and Jay Lippman, sharing their stories about the late, great Vice President Walter Mondale. We'd also like to thank our sponsor, School of Rock, Eden Prairie. Go take some lessons, get a band together, and start rocking. You can follow me at paulmetza.com, and like my dad used to tell me, remember to be kind and make someone happy.